let's start with, um, we'll end with this tonight too, but I'll read it as a, our opening prayer. I'm looking, uh, we've talked about the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and now we're into the last section um, of Luther's small catechism, which includes baptism, um, a little chunk on confession, uh, and then um, the, alt, the sacrament of the altar, as Luther calls it, and then some other things. And then there's prayers at the end of this thing, too. And I'm going to read Luther's evening blessing that uh, he gives to us as a something to say right before we go to bed. So that's a bad idea right before I try to teach you something. But it goes like this. In the evening when you go to bed, Luther says, you are to make the sign of the Holy Cross and say, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, watch over me. Amen. And then Luther says, Then kneeling or standing, say the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. If you wish, you may recite this little prayer as well. And I love this little prayer. I give you thanks, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously protected me today. I ask you to forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously to protect me tonight. Into your hands I commend myself, my body, my soul, and all that is mine. Let your holy angel be with me so that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. Uh, I, when I was a, a little kid, we prayed, now I lay me down to sleep. I like this better. Uh, all right, so just a little review um, to kind of get us where we are going. Um, so I, I, and I know maybe you already know the answer, so that's good. Just tell me of them as you know them. We, Luther gives a little sort of mental health care checklist for how this thing is all put together, right? So we get the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. And in Luther's little rubric, the Ten Commandments are? Diagnosis, thank you. That is, they're louder than you are, and they're just stomping their feet. Uh, that's right. It's the diagnosis, right? It's about the human condition uh, that we don't live up to either our own expectations or God oftentimes, right? And so the Ten Commandments lay that out for us. What's the creed? The prescription. Exactly. And can anybody tell me what sort of the central part of the prescription is? I, I might not have been as clear about that as I wish I had been. Uh, it's part of the creed and what, what uh, is sort of Luther's most important part uh, of that? Anybody remember? This is, I think, Luther's most important part. It's the third article on being made holy, when he says, I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but instead the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith. For Luther, it is so important that God makes the first move. And the story that I've told is about the young woman over at Amy's Cupcakes who gets this random phone call. Turns out it's the guy from Herberts and Gerberts who wants to ask her out, right? This is totally shocking and surprising. She gets all red in the face, right? Um, it's God that makes the first call to ask you out on the first date. This is super important for Luther, that God is all about that invitational love and grace, uh, that comes to us and happens to us, and it's an experience of recognizing that, right? Sort of like turning red in the face. It's not a decision that we make. Uh, it's something that God does to us. Super important for Luther. Okay, so that's the prescription. And then what's the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, the cure, um, it's fulfilling the prescription. I know it's a little confusing in the metaphor, but it's how to run to the pharmacy, so to speak. And so what Luther says is that after God has made this first phone call to you to ask you out on a date, 
God says, now talk back to me, right? If you go out on a date, you can't just sit there. You have to actually have some conversation. And then you might say, well, how am I supposed to talk back to God? And Luther says, use the Lord's Prayer, okay? So I think that's super handy, right? And sort of a nice little outline for the uh, Christian life. So if you got nothing else out of that, that's Luther's orientation to this uh, small catechism and I think lays out sort of nicely what it means to be a Lutheran um, and, and our understanding of grace and God's love coming to us. Okay, so then what do we get? What's the rest of the stuff in here? What comes next? We're going to talk a little bit about baptism. That actually is what comes next in the, uh, uh, in the small catechism. Duh. Um, so I'm curious, what, um, what do you think about or what is baptism for you? If you've had kids baptized or grandkids baptized, what is baptism and what, is it, what does it mean to you? Promise. Promise. What do you mean by that? That was good. It was, it was in stereo from Shepherd's Song over here. <laughs> what do you mean by promise? Yeah, so what you said is it's God's promise uh, to be with you even as a young child and then through your life, right? Is that, would you have said something similar? Okay, so a promise. I like that. That's good. Say that again. Your admission into the family of God. I like that too, right? So um, like an initiation, so to speak, or something like that. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Inviting the Holy Spirit into the child. I like that too. That's good. Yep. We actually say sort of stuff like that, right, in our baptismal service. Anybody else? Yeah, Fred. God promises that you belong to him. Yeah, these are all good. I like this. Is all Yeah, Don? A rebirth or renewal. Say more about that one, especially from coming from a baby doc. Ah, interesting. So would we say that about babies too? Ah. <laughs> okay. I like that. I, Luther might go along with that, I think, actually, right? Luther talks about being drowned to our sinful self and being reborn uh, into... Uh, God's righteousness, maybe. That's kind of a churchy way of saying it. Yeah, so I think all these things are true, and these are all good, very good Lutheran things to say. I, I, in my sort of simple rubric these days, this is God's phone call to you. And God calls you and asks you out on a date before you can pick up the phone. Um, and I think one of the reasons this is super important, right, is that... Um, especially in today's day and age where we like often to think of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, right? This is actually a pretty physical, tangible way of expressing God's love for us before we can love God back. Um, and partially why we baptize infants. 
Um, so for Luther, I think a lot of the things you've said are true. Um, Luther, maybe you know this already, there were seven sacraments in the Catholic Church at the time, and Luther takes it down to two. Does any, what are, what's Luther's criteria? Does anybody know for what a sacrament actually is? Oh, sure. How far? Okay. Yeah, so uh, what she was asking is that the, the Lutheran pastor, when your kids were baptized, talked about original sin. Um, and that's why we were baptized. Yeah. And that was troubling because... Yeah. We think of our uh, babies especially as being sort of innocent, right? And therefore, how could you say they sin, right? Um, and in Catholic theology, and uh, I mean, there is this sort of age of, what's that called? Shoot, now it just fell out of my head. When you turn a certain age, now you're responsible for your sins. Up until that point, you're not. Um, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that. Um, I... Um, so the idea of original sin is something from Augustine, and I think it depends on how you think of what sin is. So how would you describe what sin is? This is really important to Luther. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. With intention. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I don't know if it's conscience. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Yep. Keep going. Say more about that. I've been watching my one-year-old grow up who has a three-year-old sister, and I'm not sure what day it was, but all of a sudden one day I saw it in his eye that he was going to bash the living garbage out of his sister. Now, that, wasn't, that was within the first year. So, I mean, now, was that conscious or unconscious? The potential is there from the beginning, is it not? And I think... For Luther, sin is not just something that we do. It is the state in which we are actually born into. That we are finite, that we are limited, uh, that we will die, and even babies will die. Um, and so for Luther, there's, baptism is not a magic act. It is, Luther, uh, this is one of the things, maybe I'll read this. There's, um, Luther has an infant die. Um, and it breaks Luther's heart, right? He actually has a 13-year-old die as well. Um, and Luther ends up sort of saying, baptism is for the living because it's, it's, it's a word spoken to someone. Um, and so I think for Luther, he would say that, of course, babies are precious and beautiful and wonderful, but they are born into this human state that we all have. 
And that potential exists from the very beginning. And I think anybody who's a parent would know that even that infant is going to wake you up in the middle of the night whether you want them to wake you up or not because they have some needs that need to be met, right? And, I mean, depending on how you want to look at that, this is the question we asked the other day on Wednesday morning. Is the survival instinct selfish? So this is a, this is a question, right? And, and so for me, I, in kind of, um, I like to try to come up with words that aren't quite so churchy, and I, that's why I like these limited, finite, we will die, we are bo- our, our humanness is formed from the very beginning, right? We, all of those potential things are latent within us from the moment that we are born into the world. And so for Luther, uh, he wants that child and the parents then overhearing it to say that child is love no matter what. Right? And so for Luther, the other thing is to remember when we have a guilty conscience or any of these things, Luther would say, but I have been baptized. It is something that happened to me before I could choose it. And this is a huge comfort to Luther. Um, I, since you brought it up, I will just read this little part because I found it just so um, heart-wrenching. Uh, be, Luther did have... Um, oh, shoot, now am I not going to be able to... Find, oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, Luther had um, an infant die, and then he had a 13-year-old daughter die. Um, and Luther, uh, Luther also, Katie also had a miscarriage. Um, and uh, so Luther says this. Um, uh, let's see here. Luther writes about these matters very tenderly, not just as a theologian, but as a father, which we've talked about. Um, in 1526, he had witnessed the baptism of his firstborn Hans, who we think is sort of the impetus for the small catechism. Uh, In 1528, he buried his infant daughter, Elizabeth, who was less than a year old. Uh, Between 1529 and 1534, uh, Katie had four more children. Poor Katie. Magdalena, Martin, Paul, uh, Margarita. uh, Yeah, Margarita. Um, And then Magdalena's death at 13 in 1542 devastated Luther and um, uh, his wife, Katie. In 1539, Katie had a miscarriage. So, I mean, Luther knows what it is like to be a parent, which I think really impacts his way of thinking. Um, His theological convictions also were pretty flexible. And so what he said uh, to Katie, and then I think you can hear the influence of his own experience as a parent in this, the way of addressing a grieving mother with stillborn children. Luther says this, um, Luther consoled them by assuring them that their tears had been baptism enough. Um, and so one of the things that we as Lutherans often um, wonder about, right, if this child hasn't been baptized, is it all over, right? Luther's, we don't believe that. God loves these children no matter what. Um, and so Luther has that sort of flexibility about things. Um, so for Luther's sacraments, we started talking about seven and two. Uh, I'll try to keep this brief. He brings it down to two because Luther's, oh, sorry, Don, go ahead, yeah. Oh, 
He doesn't talk about the change in the person, but you can... Yes, he would say that's the Holy Spirit's work, and that's what's happening in a, yes, that is what's happening in a sacrament at its best, when it is effective, which Luther would say it was. So it is a command and a physical thing, right? Um, So for baptism, so to speak, there's God's word. Jesus says, go and do this, go and baptize, right? There's a command. So Luther says, how can you have confidence that we should baptize people? It's because Jesus said to do it. It's pretty good. And then there's an element that goes along with it, like water, Um, And so that's how Luther then gets to the two sacraments. They actually end up arguing about a third, uh, which is confession and forgiveness, which is why we have the baptism in in the catechism and then confession is sort of snuck in there and then you get the sacrament of the altar because I think Luther really thought it was like 2.5 sacraments because confession ends up being a remembering of your baptism Uh, you are forgiven. In fact, Luther's little rubric for confession and forgiveness includes, remember, you you have been baptized. God has called you. You are loved. You are really forgiven. And he even says in the small catechism to the person who is confessing, you should think of the person who is giving you absolution as standing in God's place, speaking these words directly to you. And so then you would hope that that, and Luther would say, then go in peace and live your life, right? And in Luther's rubric, I can't believe this is true, but by the Holy Spirit, I have experienced this, and now I go live my life, right? Um, I like to think of it as like a birthday. Uh, what do we do on birthdays? We celebrate, and, but what happens at birthday parties? We sing a silly song, we have some words, and we eat cake. A physical marker. I always find that to be really interesting. Human beings do this all the time. We create physical rituals to mark invisible things. Like if you didn't know your birthday was today and it just went by, you'd be a year older, but you'd be like, didn't know that. And so for Luther, there is something, this I find really interesting because I think it's so true. You can tell yourself you're okay all the time. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You probably don't believe yourself. But for some reason, if somebody else who you trust and who you maybe even love says it to you, it does change things, doesn't it? Remarkable how that works. So this coming from the outside to you is really important. If somebody who you know and trust says, not only do I love you, but I forgive you, right? You experience that. I think that's kind of um, what Luther's after, right? We have to speak these things to each other. Um, so we get baptism and then we get this confession part because Luther, for Luther, they go together. Um, so um, I, wanna, I do want to talk about this for a little bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about sin from a, a human point of view and baptism just quickly because um, well, I'm curious, when I say the word sin, what do you think about wrongdoing, doing something wrong, something sinful, eating lots of chocolate, bad, something bad. Anything that separates us from God, that's a good theological answer. Yep, something that creates a distance between in our relationship, right? Breaches our uh, trust maybe with one another. Would you say that? Am I putting words in your mouth? Something like that. Sin. 
Selfishness, Luther talks about it being curved in on ourselves, right? Um, I, so this is very personal and very recent. Um, and I think I hear this all, interestingly quite a bit, um, especially from faithful people who have been faithful for a long time, but other people too. Um, I, so my family has this warehouse out by St. Bonnie, and when my family moved out of their house uh, that we lived in for a billion years in Plymouth, right, the house I grew up in, my parents were young enough that they had all their stuff from when they were kids that their parents had packed away in boxes. And so what did my dad do? Well, he just kept it in all those boxes and shipped it out to the warehouse and stacked it up on top of these pallet racks. And I think his plan was that he was going to die and then he was going to laugh from the grave because we have this piles of their garbage that we have to go through, right? I think this is going to be like his little revenge. Well, I wrecked that because my mom wanted it to give away all of our toys and things that she knew were out there um, from like, I have boxes of Legos and this kind of stuff. And she's like, hey, there's this group we've been working with. They want all these toys. I'm like, great. So I go out there and in order to get to the toys, I have to go through all of their boxes of stuff to get to it, okay? So I start opening these boxes and one of them is my mom's stuff from when she was in kindergarten. The other one is a box of stuff from when she was in college. This other one is my dad's baby clothes that my grandmother packed for my dad before she died of cancer in 1990. It hadn't been opened. And so I was like, well, might as well figure out what to do with this stuff. So I threw it all in my car because I can't get to the toys yet because there's still another layer of boxes. And so I load it all in my car and I bring it to my parents' house. My dad is furious, okay? Um, we had just gone out to dinner, and my mom is wont to um, leave her reading glasses and other things everywhere. So she had actually left them at the restaurant. So my dad actually puts on his coat, furious, angry, runs, goes out the door, and goes back to the restaurant to get the glasses. And I'm like, oh, that's weird, but, you know, he can be crabby. Anyway, um, I meet him in the parking lot uh, coming back, and... I, he said, I'm sorry, I got so mad. I'm like, well, that's okay. And I don't know. He's like, it wasn't supposed to happen like this. And I was like, what do you mean it wasn't supposed to happen like this? Well, and he goes into this story, and then he starts to cry. And, he, and I don't know how this got connected, right? But he said, I don't think I did a very good job as a parent. Right? Now, I don't know how opening his baby clothes made him feel that way, but there, I don't quite get it, right? But nonetheless, he said, I don't think I did a very good job. And, you know, I don't know what to respond to that, right? Because I'm like, well, I have a, I have a job, and I, I think I'm paying for my own bills, and, you know, I made it all about me. All of a sudden, I thought, <laughs> I, I wasn't here asking for money. I just want to get rid of your stuff, you know? <laughs> But I, what I, it dawned on me, actually, that I've heard this a lot uh, from parents and grandparents uh, about regrets they have uh, about the way they performed in life. And the reason it struck me is because I think Luther talks about, this, about sin in this way, too. Um, Luther talks about sin as grief, as regret, as suffering, as injustice inflicted upon us by families and institutions and systems. Um, 
And so, and I've heard, in fact, I was sitting with a group of pastors of big churches uh, the other day, and at, at the end of gripe, at the end of senior pastors of big churches griping about the church, they finally confessed at the very end. And you know what they said? This is unbelievable to me. I get it. I'm not a parent, though, so I don't quite understand. But they, three of them said, yeah, my kids, they went to St. Olaf and Gustavus and Concordia, uh, and they all graduated from these Lutheran schools, and I'm a pastor of this big Lutheran church. And they all said, I don't think any of them are going to go to church anymore. And I heard my dad's voice. Um, I'm the pastor of a big Lutheran church and my kids aren't going to church anymore. I'm a, I'm doing, I did a bad job with my own family. How can I stand up in front of another family and do this? And the reason it struck me is because uh, this little business about confession and forgiveness and things, Luther actually writes this little bit and I'm just going to read it because I, it connected for me in this way. It says, uh, Luther's writing and talking about how to confess, and he says, a master or mistress may say the following. In particular, I confess to you that I have not faithfully cared for my child, the members of my household or my spouse, nor have I done this to the glory of God. I have cursed, I've set a bad example with indecent words and deeds, done harm to my neighbors, spoken evil of them, overcharged them, sold them inferior goods, and shortchanged them. And whatever else he or she has done against the commands of God and their family and in all walks of life. Yep, we all did a bad job. Uh, and Luther then speaks that word of baptism. Yeah, I know. I love you anyway. Right? Uh, so, I mean, that's why I think this is so interesting and so important that Luther as a father gets this, I think, right? I can hear Luther, right? I'm not sure I've done a good job, I, right? Confessing this to God. If, if, if one of the outcomes of this God calling you on the phone is God begging you to talk back to God in all sorts of ways like that. Um, and I found that to be just really... Mm, um, Let's, uh, okay. Maybe that's enough. We could talk, no, that's plenty. I've talked long enough. You don't need to hear anymore. Let's do this. Um, let's go, um, if you want to grab uh, in your hymnal, 1164 is uh, where the small catechism is. Um, there's lots of other things here at the end of Luther's small catechism that are great. Um, I'll talk a little bit while you find morning and evening blessings. It'll come after baptism, after a sacrament of the altar. Um, 1166, page 1166. Um, the rest of these things are ways that we talk back to God and have conversation with God. And Luther talks about the marriage uh, life and what that's like um, and gives some examples. And then this thing at the end is called household chart and table of duties or something like that. This is a weird thing. Here's what it is. It's um, biblical verses that Luther pulls out to help people live out our vocations. God says your um, vocation or one of your calling in life is to be a parent, a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter, um, an employer, an employee. Um, and Luther gives some biblical verses to how you might think of being those things. Luther calls those all holy vocations or holy callings. 
Um, but let's uh, read together the evening blessing um, that Luther has here. So we'll start with the I give thanks to you, Heavenly Father, bit, okay? So let us pray. I give thanks to you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously protected me today. I ask you to forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously to protect me tonight. Into your hands I commend myself, my body, my soul, and all that is mine. Let your holy angel be with me, so that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen.